Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Pam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey, NASCAR fans, it's another episode of All Turns and No Breaks with Tam and Renee. I'm Renee. She is Tam. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I thought I'd try something what? different. <laughs> Was that your Fat Albert introduction there? I think so. Yeah, okay, right on, okay. Hey, listen, I hope you guys had a great weekend. I had a fantastic weekend, and Brad Keselowski had a wonderful weekend, winning another race, winning the Kentucky. I think everybody had a great week. Serena? Greatest of all time. Yeah. She won Wimbledon. Her and her sister won doubles. I think everybody had a great week except maybe Tim Duncan because Tim Duncan decided to retire. Well, I think he still had a a great weekend because the boy is retiring a millionaire. Either way it goes, either way you look at it, I think he's having a a great (laughs) weekend. And he, uh, what a wonderful career this guy had. Not a huge fan of Tim Duncan. Uh, Not a huge fan of the San Antonio Spurs, but I do like them. I just like the style of play that they had over the years, the way Popovich came in and just taught basic fundamentals. And the guy rides off into the sunset with NBA championship rings and a million dollars in your bank account. Millions with an S. Millions. Yes, millions. There was a question that came up, and I wanted to kind of bring that into NASCAR. The question was, or the conversation on Mike and Mike today was whether or not tennis was considered a sport. And then one of the Mikes said, well, that's just like comparing it to NASCAR. Most people don't consider NASCAR a sport. What do you think? Do you consider tennis a sport? And do you consider NASCAR a sport? And do you understand why people don't consider it a sport? What what are your thoughts? I think I understand why people don't consider it sports, whether it's tennis or NASCAR, probably especially NASCAR, because I I was one of those people years ago who thought the same thing. But now that I'm older and I understand a lot of things better now than I did when I was younger, I honestly believe that tennis is a sport. You don't just run around and try to hit a a ball with a racket and sweat and (laughs) do all these kinds of things for nothing. It's a sport. It, it, It takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of um, agility. Everything, yes, endurance, yes, right. Uh, technique, tech, a skill, skills. Every all of those words. If you have those words in in any event, I think it's sport. So is NASCAR sport? Clearly, I know what you're going to say because we're doing a NASCAR podcast, right? But do you understand the argument that some people have? in regards to it not being a sport because you do need agility you do need endurance you do need skill you need everything that we just mentioned but it's almost this mindset of if there's not a ball involved then it's not a sport because it's like is fencing really a sport right like and i can even look at fencing and go well i would have never considered that a sport but because you have to throw those words that we just talked about into it. I think if you use any of those adjectives, I think it's a sport, regardless of what it is. I used to think for years that golf wasn't a sport. My mind has changed over the last almost 20, 22 years. But the argument with that is all you do is hit a ball and then you get a chance to sit in a golf cart and go to the next hole. Right. Although, although professionally speaking, uh, in professional golf, 
you cannot ride in a golf cart. You actually have to walk. Okay. So there is a point where you have to get have endurance. You have to work out. You have to keep yourself in shape because riding in a golf cart, you, you can't do that in professional golf. And I didn't know that for the longest because I actually believed the same thing that you did. So that's why well, my I only line believe of thinking. that. I was just making a Yeah, case. no, yeah, yeah. And seriously, and going back to your question and my point, long time ago, years ago, I never thought what made NASCAR a sport. I was just like everybody else. Oh, turn left, turn left, turn left, and then wait for a crash. And over the years, because you start learning and you start uh, understanding what the sport is, I think a lot of the problem is is that that's what, that is the problem itself. People just don't understand the sport. They don't get it. It's not as popular as basketball, football, baseball. And they look at that and go, it's not a sport. Yeah. It doesn't have a ball. Oh, you don't do this. You don't do that. And they're comparing it to another sport that they that we all know is a sport. But it's basically you're comparing apples to oranges. There's, you can't compare, but it's still a sport. Having had the opportunity to go through driver school and get on the track in Charlotte and drive an actual NASCAR, on many occasions have gotten behind the wheels of Ferraris, Lamborghinis. One observation that was made to me most recently when I did the Lamborghini ride Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago when I was in Las Vegas, the instructor said he noticed with thinner people, we tend to move our entire bodies as we turn the wheel. And he said he doesn't know if it's a power thing or what, but it was just an observation that he made. And it made me think, even in my own car, which is a two-seater sports car, it's not a Lamborghini or a Porsche, but I do have power i notice when i'm coming around the curve i do kind of move my shoulders i lean into it so saying all i have to say is that now you're talking about doing this for 300 miles or 400 miles or even if you're doing the coca-cola 600 Mm -hmm. at 200 miles an hour that takes everything that we talked about it takes agility it takes endurance it takes skill it takes a lot so i don't understand why people don't think NASCAR is a sport, but it's definitely a sport. And even so much more when you look at it, and let's take this race that happened on Saturday, for example. Uh, first of all, congratulations to Brad Keselowski, the number two car, for winning at Kentucky. It's not a horse race, I understand that, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> congratulations for winning the uh, Quaker State 400 at Kentucky. And listen, this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. This is where skill comes into play. The way Brad Keselowski won that race, the dude ran out of gas. Almost two laps or practically two laps before that race was over. So he's literally trying to do whatever he can other than not to panic to win that race. Because as we all know, and if you watch the race, I think everybody knows that Carl Edwards was right on his behind coming up to those last two laps. So he had to do whatever he could to salvage whatever he had left in that tank, which was basically fumes to keep all the other cars behind him and then at least let his car coast into the winner's circle. And which is basically what happened because after he won that race, he didn't even have enough fuel to make the burnout for the win. They had to chunk the flag to him and then they had to get a tow truck to push him to the winner's circle. I want to just add a comment and this is going to be totally to the left, but everything that you have described is more so describing a game 
versus a sport. Right. Just an FYI, because okay. you're talking about strategy and not that strategy is not involved in sports because we all know it is. But just listening to you, a light bulb went off and I was like, yeah, that's almost like a game of Monopoly. It was strategy. Well, that's true too, yes. you know? But again, we we both agree, Renee and I, that NASCAR is a sport. But sitting back, listening to Renee talk, a lot of what he described came across more so to me as a game. And I guess is a game a sport? Monopoly is a game, but that's not a sport. That is Backgammon true. Backgammon is a game, but it's not a sport. Just some food for thought. But right. Any event. You know what? You're absolutely right. And I think coming towards the end of that race, maybe it was all strategy because Koslowski wasn't the only driver running out of gas or who ran out of gas. Matt Kenseth gave up the lead uh, with just a few laps to go because he needed gas. There was no way he was even going to finish that race. And I was excited for Matt because we yeah. haven't talked about Matt in a while. And I was like, dude, Matt, Matt Kenseth. Yeah. And then it happened. <laughs> <laughs> because if he could if he could have stayed in the race and not have to pit to get fuel, he might have won that race. He might have been able to say, uh, stave off Kislowski in that manner. But Carl Edwards was running out of uh, fuel. Uh, Ryan Newman, who ended up in third, was running out of fuel. Uh, and even uh, Smoke, uh, I think, uh, at one point was maybe having some fuel problems, but uh, he was still able to finish the race without any fuel problems. But you're right, all of these drivers that finished in the top five, it all came down to a strategy, and I understand that. And maybe if you look at it in that sense, it's more of a game. But if, if you look at Martin Truex Jr., this might be something where you have to have skill because in going into the penalty that he got... That for, guy was that. upset, but rightfully so. Right. And if you don't know what we're talking about, and if you happen to miss the race or just miss this particular point or don't remember, I'll remind you that Martin Truex Jr. was penalized for a move coming down on pit row, passing up Kevin Harvick to get into the, the pit spot where he was. And the NASCAR decided that they wanted to find him. I'm probably just as confused as some of you other fans out there. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know how NASCAR determines whether that that's a violation or not a violation. If you listen to Martin Truex's uh, interview after the race, he was basically saying, well, everybody does that. And I've been passed up numerous times throughout the year. And he made a good point when he said, and I'm quoting Martin Truex here, when he said that basically when you're doing it for a win, it's a different circumstance, unquote. But, and maybe that might be true. And maybe when you're going from, from first and second and you're vying for a spot to maybe win the race, maybe it is different because I have seen personally where other drivers do, they pass up the other drivers and it's not been a problem, but it's just like Martin Truex Jr. said afterwards, uh, maybe they should discuss that in the driver's meeting. Well, I want to make two points to that. The first point is simply this is NASCAR being NASCAR. Every other day, there's some change, something happened, this, that. And it's hard for us as fans to keep up. But now we're starting to see where it's trickling down to the drivers not understanding the constant rule changes all the time, every day, every hour, every minute of the day. Yeah. There's some type of change. The second point that I would like to make to that is from everything that I read up on this whole penalty, because I was confused. So after the race and, you know, today before the show, I wanted to know exactly what was going on. And apparently this is a rule that has been in place, but it's almost like the three second rule in the paint with NBA with basketball. And I don't know if you guys ever played basketball, but I grew up playing basketball. I ran track. That's neither here or there. I just thought I should let you guys Man, know you, that. You were all around it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the three second rule in basketball usually applies to the center. They can't stand the paint more than three seconds. You have to go in and out. 
That is something that is sometimes enforced and sometimes it isn't. If you watch an NBA game, you will notice, going back to a Tim Duncan, Tim Duncan may stay in the paint for five seconds. And it's usually not until somebody opposite teams is yelling at the referee, this guy Mm -hmm. is in the paint, that you actually see the ref call it. I mean, to be honest, it's rare in the NBA if you actually see that penalty called. With this Martin Truex situation, it is pretty much comparable to something like that, where, yes, it is a rule that was in place, but you never see it called. So each week, drivers go on and and push the boundaries. Now, should it have been called this day, this race, this time? Like, dude, Martin Truex would have won this race. Let's just keep it real. Even Brad Keselowski said that he felt that they snuck one in. NASCAR cost Martin Truex Jr. the race. I believe that too. Over a penalty that was there, that's in the books, but it's rarely enforced. Why would you enforce it this time? I noticed that Martin Truex Jr. when he got penalized, and when he did have to restart in the back at you know the twenty second spot, the mindset he went through to get all the way back up to the front and to get all the way back and finish tenth in the race. At one point, he he said he didn't even know how much fuel he had. He didn't know anything. He, was, he mad. was mad, and he was focused. And I think when you when you get penalized and you start all the way from the back, and just to get all the way up to the front, now that takes some skill. And where the skill comes in is because the track, as we know it, Kentucky was repaved. So all these drivers, knowing how the track has been before it was repaved, try to drive that car on the track in a completely different way. Now, this is where skill comes into play, and this is what I was talking about. And Martin Truex Jr., starting from all the way back because of the penalty and getting all the way back up in the 10th spot, you know, now that takes skill to go there. Now, maybe his mindset was different. that takes road rage. Yeah, I mean, he, he like... definitely had road rage. <laughs> At least he wasn't, like, you know, knocking people off the track or causing accidents and stuff. Yeah, he wasn't doing a Joey Logano. Uh, that is correct, right. And we're not going to go there, but, uh, you know, it's all good. And, Joey, uh, I apologize. That we don't mean anything by that, but you know what you were doing last week. Okay, so. Uh, last week, every week. Uh, yeah, every week. <laughs> And I think that that goes to uh, show what kind of mindset that these drivers have to go into when they have to bring out the skill part of their driving because everybody was having a problem on that track. Not everybody, but some of the the, the heavy hitters that we we look forward to winning a race every week and that we're used to seeing uh, win a race every week. Jimmy Johnson had problems. Yeah, he crashed out. Logano, Logano hit the out. wall really hard. And of course, we know. Oh, uh, 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 Blaney and, uh, and Chase, Chase Elliott uh, went head to head and they had an accident too. I, I can't yeah, remember that was, what I lap it was. Lap 82. Was it lap 82? Yeah. yeah. And how ironic that the two rookies pretty much collided and took each other out the race. And with that being said, that's a good point because as we were talking about all these rookies, you know, having an opportunity to win races and stuff, a lot of these races that we see each and every week, there seems to always be a big one or enough wrecks that these young drivers could possibly have a shot at maybe winning that particular race. And this one just didn't work out for Chase Elliott or Blaney. But there's a few more races to go. Not very much. They're going to go by really quick. There's a lot of drivers on the outside looking in still. And um, you know what? If you're going to make a move, you got to do it now. We discussed this a little earlier about Trevor Bain. It's interesting because Trevor Bain is in the point standings, he's in 16th place, right. but he's not in the chase. And it kind of brings up the question, is the chase format really working? Is it really that great? Hold on. 
before I know your minds out there, if you're listening is processing. The reason why I say that is because you look at someone like a Brad Keselowski. Brad Keselowski has won four races, Mm -hmm. but he's not in a top spot in terms of points and standings. Kevin Harvick is actually in a top spot. Yeah. So the chase is debatable. Some people like it. Some people don't. It's NASCAR's answers to the playoffs. And something like racing, and I'm not saying I agree or disagree, but just throwing out a question to you, it's kind of like my question earlier, is NASCAR really a sport? Right. Should we actually just be racing for points? Hmm. That's a really good question. And actually, we want your input as well. And if you have any input or two cents that you'd like to add to anything that we talk about on this podcast, especially uh, this particular point right here, please hit us up on our social media. And like Tam always says every week. That's Turns No Breaks on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, YouTube. You can also catch the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, you name it. We're there. Pocket cast us, so you're, we're, we're always in your pocket. <laughs> so going back to your question, it is kind of frustrating and confusing to uh, even NASCAR fans ourselves. I can't imagine what it's like for people who aren't NASCAR fans. Hold that thought. I just mm-hmm. want to interject. You made a great point. You can only imagine how confusing it is to people who aren't NASCAR fans. Right. Because that comment could very well be why NASCAR is not growing as a sport. And you know what? That's that's so funny. You look at that and you look how NASCAR wants to try to get more of an audience. They're trying to broaden their audience in all these different ways that they're doing it. And then it's all these rules and then these changes and all these unwritten rules and all these rules that they want to enforce when they want it, when they feel like they want to enforce it. And it's just like every week it's like something different. So I can only imagine how we feel because we are fans and how you guys feel that watch the races and you guys are fans, like people who just don't know that just might happen to be sitting down at the right time at the right place and go, hey, hey, well, what's that all about? Now they're asking you questions and then you don't know how to answer. So you're going, you know what? That's the first time I've ever seen that <laughs> happen. Yeah, I mean, we talked yeah. about it last week. Right. I was sitting in the yard house and well, my right. friend yeah. was really into the race and she was asking me questions. And as much as I know about NASCAR, I couldn't explain to her why the Xfinity race didn't throw the caution. It changes every week. We discussed this last week where some of the fans that were polled by USA Today in a, a really good article about NASCAR's decline, how some fans said they're just sick and tired of being sick and tired of trying to figure out what's going on, keeping up with the constant rule changes. And more importantly, they felt that NASCAR had a credibility issue. We didn't even plan on talking about any of this this week. But since we're talking about it, because it seems to be a reoccurring issue, there are too much changing. There, There's constant change in NASCAR that absolutely makes zero sense. I think whatever you guys feel that you want to chime in with, please, uh, like I said, we'd love to hear your two cents. We always appreciate feedback, whether it's positive or negative. It helps us put on a better show for you guys. It helps us talk about other things that we may not have talked about or maybe we have missed. So please keep in contact with us on our own personal accounts as well. You can hit me up on at It's Renee Garcia on my Twitter, my Instagram, and my Snapchat. It's all the same at It's Renee Garcia. You can also hit Tam on her personal information. And I am at I am Sincerely Tam. So looking at the top five that finished the race uh, i think it's awesome to see tony stewart back up there again he seems to have found something within himself 
to be racing very, very well. Uh, with yes. It, it, yeah, seriously. Smoke I, I saw will it. rise. Yeah. Yes, and it certainly has. I love it. Yeah. I personally love it. This is really good. And, and not just smoke, but everything that's happened so far this year has really been positive. And a lot of the things that we've talked about over the last several episodes that we have done. But it's really good to see Tony Stewart uh, up there in the top tens, top fives. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, with that, that kind of solidified his position mm -hmm. in the top 30 in points, which he needed to make sure he got in the chase. And, you know, you guys are aware, although Tony won a race because he missed some time, NASCAR came down and said the only way he could be in a chase is if he was in the top 30 in points in addition to winning that race. So at this very moment, Tony has all that covered. And speaking of the chase, if you guys didn't know, which you can go to NASCAR.com, but since you're taking the time to listen to All Turns No Breaks, we'll let you know at you. this point who's in the chase. We mentioned Brad Kozlowski's in the chase, Kyle Busch, Carl Edwards, Jimmy Johnson, Kevin Harvick, Kurt Busch, Joy Logano, Martin Truex Jr., Matt Kenseth, Denny Hamlin, Tony Stewart, Chase Elliott, Ryan hey. Newman, Dell Jr., clearly based on points, Austin Dillon, and Jamie McMurray. And that's if the chase started today. And speaking of the chase, mm -hmm. and speaking of Chase Elliott, Renee, where are you at with your Chase and Kyle Larson, <laughs> or Chase versus <laughs> Kyle Larson situation? You know what? I think I, I'm still, I'm still there on my current situation. I'm not budging and I haven't budged and I'm just going to keep to, uh, what I said at the very beginning, you know, both of these guys are just fantastic, but I'm not budging. I'm I'm sticking to my guns. And <laughs> rookie of the year? Rookie of the year. Chase or Blaney? You know what? I think I'm going to go with Chase. Okay. I think I'm going to go with Chase. And let's start something new. Austin Dillon versus mm -hmm. Kyle Larson. Who's going to win a race first this year? Austin Dillon or Kyle Larson? Wow. You know what? Man. You know what? If I had to pick right now, I'm going to go with Austin Dillon. I think I'll go Austin Dillon. He's been driving pretty consistently. I, I'm i going to give him the edge because of that. And I just think that, you know, his team just seems like they, and no disrespect to uh, Kyle Larson's team, but, you know, Austin Dillon and his team, they just seem like they're just doing things consistently. And it just seems like there's a matter of time before this year ends, he could possibly win a race. Even if it goes into next year, I just think Austin Dillon could possibly win a race faster than Kyle Larson will. And that's not and taking anything away from Kyle Larson and his entire team. I just think Austin Dillon, I see a little bit more skill and and I don't know what I don't want to say intimidation. You see a lot just, of attitude. Yes, attitude. Austin that's Dillon. that's what I, yeah, I was he gonna has, say intimidation, but that was the wrong word. Attitude is is, is the yeah, word. Yeah, he has for. the rocky eye of the tiger, yes. just the Cream of the crop. Right, is that's that, correct. That, yeah, that's just correct. I that's don't know correct. if that's the lyrics. <laughs> and clearly, I don't have a singing voice. Uh, and <laughs> just for the record, the I don't have a face for radio either. <laughs> I have a face for TV. There you go. There okay. you go. So going back to Kentucky really quick, I had a question for you because I saw this question come up on Twitter. People actually had Twitter polls after the race. There was a lot of conversation regarding whether or not Kentucky was a great race. Do you think Kentucky was a great race? In fact, there was a poll that asked if it was good, great, or bad. And the last I checked before it expired, most people said it was good, not great. 
And then there were some other polls that talked about other things, but it all came down to whether or not it was a good race or a great race. Your thoughts? I wish I could say it was a decent race. I'm not even sure good is really kind of giving it. Uh, wow. Yeah, I, and I'll be honest with you. I think the reason why I'm saying that, and I'll go with good just for the sake of the argument, and the, those are the only choices that I have. I'm going to go with good, and I'm going to agree with that because it wasn't great. It didn't suck, but I'll just say it was good because... I think the whole repavement thing just kind of like really just kind of made it good. And the drivers had to kind of like change the way they drove. Kyle Busch, man, what an awesome save he did with his car because he could have literally went right into the wall. But I think the way that all the other drivers who, like we said, and we mentioned Jimmy Johnson and Joey Logano and Blaney and Chase Elliott uh, who crashed and, and had to leave the race. But I think when you see that, it doesn't give the race the real effect of what you want to watch, especially nowadays, like we had talked about in a, in a previous episode, where I think a lot of fans now, they want to see their drivers at least finish the race. Because once their drivers are out of the race, it's like, well, what's the point? I don't like any of these other guys. So either one, I might as well just hang out and watch the rest of the race for no reason or leave or do whatever and just not really be interested. So I think with that being said, now the end of the race was great, but I just think the entire race itself, when you put it as a whole, I just think it was okay. It was good. It was nothing exciting. This comes back to a Twitter poll that was taken by PRN Live on Twitter. That's at PRN Live. Their question was very simple. They asked, what most makes a good race for you? Lots of passing, drama, your favorite driver, I think it was winning because it says your favorite driver dot 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 are wrecked and lots of yellows. Surprisingly, wrecks and lots of yellows got the least amount of votes. And I think that's because we're dealing with driver safety and all that. And right. also too, I took in consideration a lot of older fans are probably not on social media. And I do know just based on my own unscientific poll that I've taken, a lot of original OG NASCAR fans, they kind of appreciate the wrecks and all that stuff. But again, you know, we always have to think driver safety first. What surprised me is that most people polled said that 53% said that what makes a good race for them is lots of passing. Would you agree with that? I, I could, could agree with or that. Or would you say drama? No, I, I personally would vote for drama. Yeah. That would be Drama only got 23%. Having traveled throughout the world and going to F1 races and being in the Middle East and China and all these wonderful countries, what I've come to learn is that nobody in other countries appreciate NASCAR. Other countries are very much F1 and some are IndyCar. And one of my arguments to most F1 fans is that I don't get F1 because someone like a Lewis Hamilton will start on the pole and will finish in first place with absolutely no passing. You may have one pass yeah. in an entire F1 race. I don't understand how that's exciting. For me, drama is exciting. Mm -hmm. People say, why are you a NASCAR I fan? Agree. And I tell them because it's a soap opera. I know the backstories, whether it's Kozlowski, whether it's Jimmy Johnson, Dale Jr., you know, Kevin Harvick. Joy Logano drama with a Denny Hamlin. Mm -hmm. There's drama. That's, yeah. you know, I'm a woman. Women like drama. That's I think that's right. what I'm there attracted you, you to. <laughs> but more importantly, don't get me wrong. I like to see passing, but passing as 53% of the vote as what makes a good race. No, it's drama. Yeah, I like a combination of passing and drama. You know, and drama I, I, yes. could very well be 
accidents. You know, it yeah, could very well be helmets being thrown. I don't know. It's <laughs> drama. But nonetheless, so you say drama, I say drama. Uh, yeah. Clearly, we're not in the majority, according to this poll, because lots of passing makes a good race. That's right. And I think drama has always kind of helped a lot of other sports in general. As a society, let's be real. We we like violence. And if we didn't like violence, we wouldn't watch football. We wouldn't watch hey, hockey. Hey, UFC would not yep. have sold for $4 billion. Yes. And I personally like UFC and MMA. And you said exactly what my point was going to be. Look at the revenue that those sports make alone. It's ridiculous. And that goes to show you right there that we love violence. It's what it is. And it's what we live for. Who doesn't like to go to a baseball game and watch a ball game where both benches empty out? There's jawing going involved. You know what I'm saying? Like, you want to see that. I mean, other than the regular going to the baseball game because you want to take your kid and enjoy a nice baseball game in America's pastime, I get it. But when you can see benches clear and guys going at it on the field, that's actually an amazing. Then you go, man, that was a great game. You made a point going back to Major League Baseball. Is it really America's pastime still? Not to mention, similar to NASCAR, they're having drama of their own with fans and attendance and people are somewhat tuned out. You're a baseball lover, so it's not much for you to watch a game on TV. Or actually, I know uh, two weeks ago you went to a yeah, game right. by yourself. Yeah, and I love and it. And had a couple of beers. And I had some peanuts. Yeah. And then I had some more beers. Yeah, but <laughs> baseball is one of those sports where there's not a lot of drama. That's why kids don't want to play baseball. I personally enjoy baseball, but I have a rule. I'm never coming to a baseball game before the third inning. There's <laughs> a, it's just pointless. I don't care. Now because it does not heat to up to the third or fourth inning. Possibly. I'm, what are you really missing? I want to get there as the ball players are going through batting practice. I want to get there before they start singing the national anthem. I want to see the guys take the field. I want to see the first pitch. I miss me with all that. Yes, uh, yes, yeah. but that's just me. And like Tam said, this is just where we differ because I'm a huge baseball lover. And she's obviously, obviously not that uh, huge of a fan, but she does love the sport. And yeah, I really go do to the appreciate games. that. Right. And this goes to a lot of other sports of what we're talking about. You know what I mean? So like NASCAR fans, I'm sure that there's NASCAR fans who do that. Like I could care less about the start of the race. You know what? I'll get there, you know, maybe uh, 10 laps in. I don't care. But then there's other NASCAR fans who are going, are you crazy? I want to hear, ladies and gentlemen, start your engines. I want to hear, you know, the national anthem. I want to see the drivers go around the track and wave and say hello to everybody. I want to see the drivers introduced. All that jazz. So this can go back and forth in any sport. So I understand what you're saying. It's interesting you said that because I often think to myself, you have more people hanging out in the trailers, motorhomes mm -hmm. at a NASCAR race than actually in the stands these days. Right. So do they really care? I feel like NASCAR is more so, a, a NASCAR race is more like a family picnic where yeah. you go to hang out. Some good, people are into the races. No, no, no. You're, that is a But I also, having taking a stroll here and there back in the motorhome areas. I try to every race, but I don't go too deep in. Right. Because I don't drink beers and it's a safety thing. <laughs> right. And I've, I've run across a few characters, to say the least, in the motorhome areas. Intoxicated? <laughs> I mean, nobody's ever done anything to me because they probably look at me and know I would beat that. Oh, they might look at no, you and say, kidding. she's lost. <laughs> I... <laughs> 
Yeah, I think that happens. But with all that being said, I look at these people and they're enjoying themselves. And I always think to myself, this is really more so just a tradition, a pastime, a a good Mm -hmm. old family get together barbecue. Let's gather some friends and play some cornhole. You know what? And I love cornhole. Who doesn't like cornhole? Okay, I have a confession. Oh, my God. I'm from Los Angeles. I don't know much about cornhole. I was like, <laughs> what is this? And it, I didn't know the name of it. Now, ironically, it's... I grew up, I had a croquette set. So I did. I knew what croquette was, but I, I didn't know what cornhole is. Cornhole, but I, cornhole is... Uh... I know what it is now, but I didn't. Then, I was but like, for you guys who don't know, everybody know. listening probably knows what cornhole. Yeah, is. and if you don't know what cornhole is, it, it, it's a fun game. It's basically where you have these uh, floorboards that are set up with a hole in it, and it, it's basically like an old beanbag toss. You know what? There it is. That's basically what it is. It's an old school beanbag toss, but it's called cornhole, and you can fix up your board holes with with however you want, whether it's your favorite football team, because nowadays everybody's got themes. their board themes, whatever. But why is it called? Cornhole? Uh, Where does the corn come in? Well, I don't know if it has anything to do with corn. I don't know, to personally tell you the truth. And I don't know if maybe there's some backstory to that. I don't know it. If you know the backstory of what cornhole is, please let us know. Uh, Hit us up on our social media because I certainly would like to know because I don't personally know the history behind cornhole. Gonna Google it. Yeah, there you go. We can Google it. I'll say one other thing, letting you guys in on my life, getting a little personal. I didn't know what lacrosse was until I went to college. And I was like, yeah, what is this? Look, and I, 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 I took lacrosse as a junior in college. Oh, you did? Yeah. And my professor, that guy did a lot for me. That's all I'm going to say. But he used to make some side comments. He told me I had no eyeball coordination. In fact, he told me that I don't do well with small balls. <laughs> this is true. He said a whole bunch of other stuff. But and after all these years, is it still true, Tim? <laughs> no comment. But okay, I will just no keep it at PG. I didn't know what lacrosse was. I'm from Los Angeles. We don't play lacrosse. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know but uh, is. either way it goes, I don't think I even knew what lacrosse was at first either. I, I mean, I'm from Texas. We didn't play lacrosse at my high school. I know that. But we did play horseshoes. And horseshoes was just like cornhole. So I kind of already knew what cornhole was because of the horseshoes, because it's almost the same thing. And that's just what we did back in Texas. I'm just telling you. Texas, keyword Texas. That, that is exactly uh-huh. right. Don't hold it against me. I didn't have no say so in it, okay? Okay, so uh, from horseshoes to the fan comment of the week. We just love the Reddit board, the NASCAR Reddit. So once again, this week, we have a comment from the Reddit board. And one commenter writes... Please convince me that the Dale Jr. resurgence isn't over yet. I desperately want to believe this. Wow. Well, I think if we look back at what we were talking about, about the chase and who's in and who's out. Yes, I know Dale Jr. is in the chase and how you mentioned it, obviously, by points itself. As exciting as it is to see Tony Stewart up there in the race and, and, and even guys like Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex Jr. and Kurt Busch, you almost kind of forget that Dale Jr. is even there, unless you're a Dale Jr. fan. And I understand that it's your driver. You 
you follow your driver as well as you should follow your driver. It's like following your favorite basketball team or football team. I don't know what's going on with Dale Jr. I think that they're just in some kind of funk, him and his team. I don't think it's anything bad. I don't know if it's just a mental thing. I don't know if maybe that's just the way he drives. But I guess he's just not having the best season he's ever had. Let's just be honest. I don't know. I'm going to paraphrase because this was a comment in reply or a reply into the comment that I just read by another person on the Reddit board. And it's pretty lengthy. So like I said, I'll paraphrase it. But this commenter went on to say that in a whole, it doesn't seem that Hendrick Motorsports is on the level of Penske and Gibbs. The commenter also said that he felt as if Chase and Jimmy were carrying the banner for the entire team. And they aren't far from Joe Gibbs and Penske, but something seems to be missing. The commenter also went on to say they thought that Dell Jr. was struggling with the arrow package, which was an interesting comment and observation. The commenter said Dell Jr. never seemed to me like the kind of driver able to hang it out there. His driving style is more controlled. Guys like Keslowski, Bush, Johnson, you see them on the edge and over it again and again in each race. Watching Junior, it seems like once he steps over the edge, he tones it down 5% and doesn't flirt with it as much. Commenter also went on to say that he sees the same characteristics with Harvick and that both Harvick and Junior did very well in 2014 and 2015, but being precision drivers, they haven't been able to hit the mark this year in 2016 with the arrow packages. The commenter went on, it was actually a well thought out comment and I don't want to read it verbatim, but I will chime in my own observations. We forget that Dell Jr. is 40 plus. He's been in NASCAR long enough to understand old school NASCAR, but now he's thrown to the wolves with the new school NASCAR, meaning all this aero package and downforce and blah this and blah that. And was it two or three years ago, we had a change in the cars. So Dell very well could be struggling with it. Tony has already came out and talked crap about it. In fact, there was a quote two weeks ago that we posted on Instagram where Dell was like, we talk about packages too much. That could be some indication into his mind and what he thinks. Let's not forget, again, Dell is part old school and adjusting to new school. So he's right there. Whereas somebody like a Chase Elliott or a Blaney, this is all they've known since the beginning is the new packages. So there's not a learning curve sometimes there's it's very hard to unlearn things that you already know and what's embedded in you and that's what we see with tony tony is just like what is all this and he's getting out the game jeff gordon got out the game again we say this every week we said this last week we're not ready for dell jr to get out the game but prepare yourself because it's coming very quickly i don't think Junior is the type of guy who is going to continue to race and not win. Uh, I don't uh, know. That, what do you think? Well, that's a good point. Let's be real. He's not called the Intimidator Junior for an obvious reason. He's Dale Junior. And what I mean by that is that he obviously doesn't drive anywhere near how his father drove. And like the commenter said, you know, that's just not his style. Comparing him to some of the other drivers who will put it out there and live on the edge. Yeah. He's a little more conservative than those guys. and yeah. He's uh, like, not a Joey. He's not going to run you over. Joey Logano will run you off the track and give 
two, you know, once about it. And he's done it. And, and he's, he's done it, it every yeah. week. <laughs> right. For that matter, Brad Kozlowski has that same thing. It's almost like there's this eye of the tiger. There's they have it. Yes. And not to take anything away from Dell, but Dell is a good guy. Yes. I cannot imagine Dell getting into a fight. Right. I mean, and we're not criticizing Dell Jr. at all. By no means, that's not what this. Yeah, this he's he's more of a conversation, a is lover, about. not a fighter, right. as Absolutely. we always say. Going back to the comment that was made, uh-huh. there's an edge that's missing. We know Kevin will whoop that butt. Oh yeah. Because he'll get out the car and whoop that butt. You better ask Jimmy Johnson. Smoke, do the same thing. Yeah. But Dale's not that guy. So when you talk about that edge that's needed with these arrow packages and all that, Junior's not that guy. Right. You know, Chase, Chase is interesting because we see Chase has it in him. But he doesn't strike me as that guy either. And we already established that Jimmy is a lover and not a fighter. Right. And Casey Kane, hello, is he still on the track? Like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You know, we never hear this guy's name. <laughs> but going back to a Joey and a Kozlowski, those guys will run over their mama. Remember the first episode I said I would run over my own mama if she was yeah. in my way on the track? Right. That's those guys. It's, it's just going to be interesting to see. I mean, I'm sure you guys have all your comments that are waiting for us marcus we know that you're gonna fill up our soundcloud i think last <laughs> week you made 43 comments yeah we're waiting on you this week and no we're not talking about danica this week calm down right and, and listen guys if you listen to this podcast and have uh, any input about it especially like exactly what we're talking about right now if there's any dale jr fans out there we'd like to hear from you we'd like to hear from a personal dale jr fan and let us know what you personally think about that particular comment that was made so with that being said Let's go into next week's race and our predictions for me and Tam. We are in New Hampshire. It's time for Tam and Renee's race predictions. Wow. (laughs) New Hampshire. Okay. I'm going to be honest with you. Going into these predictions at New Hampshire, it's funny how we were just talking about Dale Jr. and stuff because he actually uh, finished in the top five at New Hampshire last year. And it's possible that he could win this race and we're all talking this junk and he comes out of nowhere and wins this race. Kyle Busch won that race last year. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Kyle Busch wins next week. I got a feeling that Kyle Busch could really pull a rabbit out of his hat and maybe possibly win that race. I'm going to go with Kyle Busch winning this race. The other funny thing is, as much as the Dale Jr. finishing in the top five, is Koslowski came in second last year in New Hampshire. I'm not even going to go there because I really don't want to see Kislowski win this race. I'd love to see Kyle Busch win the race just to have somebody else win. You know what I mean? Uh, just to see some other blood in there. But I'm going to go with Kyle Busch winning that race. My dark horse, I'll be honest with you, I think I'm going to go with Matt Kenseth. But I'm going to go with the Kyle Busch winning that race. Tam? Okay, so you guys know the drill. Each week I give you a little bit of history before I give you my predictions. So we're going to look at the last five winners from New Hampshire. There are two races a year in New Hampshire. There's the July race. And then there's the September race. So the last five winners in the July race was Kyle Busch in 2015, Bad Brad in 2014, Vickers hmm, in 2013. If you guys don't know, unfortunately, he's in the booth because of his blood clots. But yeah, so Brian Vickers, haven't heard that name in a while. 2012, Casey King. Wow, no comment. And 2011 was Ryan Newman. And Casey King does still... Race, ladies and gentlemen, just in case you weren't weren't sure. (laughs) So in the the September race, the last five winners at New Hampshire were 
McKenzie in 2015, Logano in 2014, McKenzie in 2013, and Denny Hamlin 2012. And rounding off our last five races was Tony Stewart in 2011. Mm. Now, I'm going to give you guys the Xfinity race winners for the last five years as well, because I feel as if this is pertinent, considering that a lot of cup drivers run in Xfinity. So in 2015, we had Denny Hamlin. 2014, Bad Brad. 2013, Kyle Busch. 2012, Bad Brad again. And 2011, we had Kyle Busch. But Kyle Busch also won the Xfinity race in 2010 as well as 2009. So my predictions is actually a tough one. My heart and the statistics and everything that I know tells me Kyle Busch. Because clearly Kyle Busch wins, wins, wins in New Hampshire. But more importantly, this guy is overdue. He's been there, but no cigar the last couple of races and the races before that, he did not finish because of whatever reason. Right. So I feel as if this is Kyle Bush time to shine. My dark horse, and this is probably the only time on this show that both Renee and I will agree on the same picks, is clearly Matt Kenseth. Mm. I feel as if Matt was there last week in Kentucky. I saw the number 20, and I was like, oh, wow, Matt Kenseth is yeah, going to show too. up. I was like, Kenseth is going to win this race. And then he pitted, and I was like, oh, it's over kind of torn because this is through 300 301 laps it's mm. a a mile long racetrack we can take all that into consideration but i'm more so like to take in to consideration heart guts sweat and tears missions to accomplish which are all the adjectives that you need to uh classify an event as a sport yeah i i feel as if you know i don't want to count Martin Truex out mm. because Martin Truex, he's on the mission. He was yes. mad. We never yeah, see yeah. that guy mad. He was mad last week. I mean, the fact that he had to start from the back and came back. Yeah. That's crazy in itself. I'm going to go. Can, if he can continue that anger in the next week. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. there, but he's not my pick this week. And of course, considering we spent a lot of time talking about Dale Jr. this episode, I really want to pick Dale. But I have to imagine if I was in Las Vegas. If I was in Las Vegas, I'm putting my money on Kyle Busch, Rowdy Bush. So that is my pick. My pick is Kyle Busch, and my dark horse is Matt Kenseth. And there you go. Me and Tam agree that Kyle Busch is going to come out at the winner's circle and the checkered flag next week. I'd love to know who your predictions are for next week at New Hampshire. So please hit us up on our social media and let us know. And like always, at the beginning of each race, we always like to tweet out and put on our Instagram who you got. So please, you don't have to wait till then in the day of the race. But during the week, when you listen to the podcast, let us know who you like. Who do you think is going to win? Junior, Matt Kenseth, your favorite driver, your hated driver. I don't know. Just chime in and give us your two cents and your predictions. Thank you each and every week for listening to our podcast. We always appreciate it. And before we go, I know we didn't talk about this at all during this particular episode, but I would just like to point out out of all the horrible things that are going on on American soil right now, obviously with all the things that are happening with the Black Lives Matter, police, and everything going across this country as far as protests are concerned, NASCAR fans, ladies and gentlemen, uh, human beings, please be careful out there. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your family and live your life the best way that you possibly can. Be good and kind to each other. I think that's important. As a comedian myself, I live off of putting smiles on people's face. I love laughter. I think it's the best medicine. I think we need that right now in our country. And if you ever find yourself 
in a mess where which is where we're at in this country find something positive to think about laugh at it let it make you smile and i promise you you'll feel good and i'll just chime in and say one thing all lives matter whether you're black like myself or hispanic like renee or whatever race you are mm -hmm. asian white what have you all lives matter and one thing i will say which is what i was taught and hopefully some people agree with me i'm sure some people won't but treat people the way you want to be treated if you do that i promise you you'll have a better day and we'll have a better world on that note we want to say thanks for listening to us you already know where you can catch us at in terms of itunes stitcher google plus our handles on social media is turns no breaks again that's turns no breaks we look forward to seeing you next week and thank you for spending your time listening to us have a wonderful week and we will see you next week bye bye thanks so much for tuning in with tam and renee 